Welcome back to the Rural Roundup. I'm Kerry Hammond and on today's episode, George and Robert pick out some positives from across the sectors. And I'm joined by Nathan Critchlow-Watton, Head of Water and Planning at SEPA, Scotland's Environment Protection Agency, to tell us more about planning for water scarcity in Scotland. Hi Robert, just the two of us today I'm afraid. We've not got Tiffany with us. How are things with you today? Yeah, all good. We're just powering through the tail end of Ajax and yeah. Getting there. Things are good. Yeah, yeah. How's things up the road? Same, getting there. Um, it's a bit dreek just now. I don't know what, what the weather's like with you, but um, it's certainly slowing things up. Still a bit to get sown uh, and it's affecting lambs in the fields and that. So there's a bit of a lack of milk. So people are getting a wee bit worried. Yeah, same. We're probably... Sewing wise, we're doing okay. I think we're most folk are now drilled up. Obviously, it's a still a fairly significant arable area, but you guys will have a bit more to put in. Um, lambing wise, anywhere that, that there's a lot of stock, there's not a lot of grass at all. Um, but the dairy guys, you see a lot of crops of silage coming away now and, and heat coming. So I'm pretty optimistic that is it a late spring or have we just been spoiled with a really early one last year? Um, you know, I, th- I think we're cooking with gas now. Yeah, last year was exceptional. It is starting to get... You really wouldn't want to be much later because I know certainly the potato guys, they, they're they desperate to get a start. And of course, they're dredging up ground from quite deep as well. And it looks pretty pretty dark and pretty raw when they have been working it. So, um, yeah, we're needing heat. Desperately, yeah. I think. It's a kind of... We were talking about it in the office here. You know, it's a kind of April, early May statement. You know, it's pretty much every April or early May needs some heat and and what always happens here is you get to about air show middle of may and things are remarkably different to what they're like at the end of april so um yeah by the time this goes out i think we'll be in a a fairly strong position there's now quite a lot of cattle going out the door which is quite quite exciting to see particularly for me who've you know we've got quite a lot of sheep on so um cattle's company we could do with kicking them out the door just to get a rest to be honest so uh, looking forward to that but it's interesting again we were talking around the office about you know the mood out there at the moment and the mood this year so from from my perspective I found it very difficult last year to particularly for those beef and sheep farmers it was hard to look people in the eye and say it was going to be okay because it looked as though things were pr- going to could be pretty grim you know we were very high input prices unknown what the weather was going to do and also unknown what stock values were going to do. At that stage, we were getting quite a lot of market signals to suggest that people were going to eat less beef and less lamb and spend less money. You know, their their pockets would be, or their purse strings would be tightened, so they would be less likely to spend money on on quality proteins, um, or conventional proteins. So that didn't actually happen. And what happened through last year was things most people probably had a reasonably good year but looking at it this year i think at this stage now bearing in mind i got it wrong last year that's the caveat but yeah it actually looks like from a, a livestock perspective things could be pretty good this year you know prices are holding up lambs are through the roof or hogs are through the roof now uh, and beef cattle are trading at, at record prices due to due to good levels of demand and and fairly low levels of supply so it's really quite quite interesting looking forward at the moment and i think there's plenty to be 
reasonably positive about? I think the other side, certainly with the cattle job, is that this time last year, if you were having to buy feed, well, barley would have been £300 plus, um, due to external factors. And uh, this year, it's, I suppose, if you're in the spot market, it's, it's a little more than half that now. And, and it, it's making that job easier. Um, the store price is through the roof, but that's to be expected with the, with the expectations. So hopefully the fat price will stay or even keep on climbing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the thing, fertiliser's the thing. Last year we were celebrating in May that people were managing to buy fertiliser starting with a six. Now yeah. we're celebrating, or now we're expecting that May, June bought fertiliser, it'll be early threes or might even start with a two. Possibly, So, yeah. you know, what a, an amazing turnaround and it allows us to f- farm properly. You know, it allows us to, to we, we were kind of hanging on with, with the skin of our teeth last year, but I think we learned a lot of lessons last year too. And I think those lessons from a climate change perspective, from an efficiency perspective, I think we learned how to farm maybe a wee bit better last year so it's important we we do what we need to do this year but also you know learn from what what went well last year what didn't go well last year and, and remember that just because we've always done it doesn't mean we always need to do it I, I think last year we also saw because of the price of fertilizer we also saw quite a lot of people either renting extra grass or they were just you know, they weren't going to rely on fertiliser, determined not to use fertiliser and just eke, eke out the grass a bit more. Quite a few of them have said that it didn't work. I think they need to, they probably learned that they need to manage their grass better and that can actually be with applying a bit of nitrogen to get it going and such like. It's, it's just managing it better really than just hoping that you've got the extra areas to, to carry the stock. So um, yeah, I think there was lessons learned there. It's interesting here that there was an awful lot of lime spread last year still still not enough you know we can never have enough lime going on but you can see those areas those farms that invested money in lime rather than fertilizer last year are getting a big advantage they'll get a bigger advantage this year than they got last year out of two ton of bulk lime Uh, and you can certainly see that fertility investment certainly helping this spring when things have been tight a, a green a green field with not a lot of grass in it's got a lot more nutrition in it than a yellow field with not a lot of grass yes. in it yeah there, there, there is a much seems to be a much greater awareness certainly when we're seeing folk coming in for iax a for you know a forage the value of forage and, and forage crops and, and people speaking about things like herbal lays and and, and even um you know short term mixes and such like different grass mixes and and, and that and how to utilize them better uh and price of grass seed is you know it's through the roof so so people are very aware of just how to get them make the most of their grass really and are you seeing more true arable guys putting a bit more grass in the rotation as well we are certainly seeing the, a lot of guys who were all grass you know wall-to-wall grass now breaking a field and putting a crop of barley in and things and it's all it's all part of that kind of regen type journey you know that back to a bit of rotation Probably less of the pure arable guys, but certainly the mixed farms are, they maybe chose not to break up, stop breaking up grass fields. They are now starting to break up grass fields again, and they recognize that with the new, newer grass varieties, you know, a, a grass sward in its first few years, it really is very productive now. And, you know, it's a step change, you know. It, 
it's costly to start with, but um, yeah, getting back into the way of rotational grassland, it, it just seems to, it makes a lot of sense for them and they're seeing the benefits. And the thing we didn't get, so last year was a tremendous grass growing year for most, or a, a fair chunk of the country. I know the, some of the East Coast was very dry and it was a struggle, but for us down here, it was probably a great opportunity to do a bit of reseeding because we had a lot of grass and we didn't or some folk, some people did but there was a lot of people didn't because of financial constraints and have you know that remaining in business is the ultimate priority so um this year however if you've got a half full pit or you've got a pile of bales or you've got you know there's now there's more options maybe this year for many yeah to you know yeah. to pull a field out and reseed it or to, to do something a wee bit different just to try and keep that that production going for next year or the year after? I think up here, well, obviously we're in the east and the first crop, the first first cut wasn't that bad, but then the second cut, it, it just didn't happen up here. It was just far too dry and that, that shaped a few people's opinions as well that they've maybe, you know, increased the grass area slightly just to give them a wee bit more cover. Um, you know, they got the fingers burned slightly last year. They're maybe having to buy an expensive silage this year just to cover them. The grass has not started growing yet. Um, so they're maybe just putting in that wee bit of extra grass just to just to cover their backs, really. And the thing for those mixed guys, last year if barley was looking like £300 a tonne, whole cropping it to bulk up your forage was not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Whereas this year that might might be an option, you know, yeah. if prices are a bit a bit cooler. You know, it might be an option to stick some in the pit if you're, if you're scarce of forage too. Yes, yeah. Um, what's about so you, the pig world and things? We, we've talked about pigs on and off, and, you know, it's obviously been a very bumpy road for those guys. Are, are they? Is it looking a wee bit more optimistic in, in that sector? It's looking better, but they're not out of the woods yet. Um, the, the, the price is, you know, it's completely different from where it was little over a year ago, a little over a year ago, I think it was about 137 the SPP. It's now uh, in two, between 215 and 220, I think. It's um, So it's completely different. Um, the costs as well at that time, they were through the roof. They're exposed completely to the wheat and barley price. That's the big costs. Um, they've obviously eased. Um, so margins are almost there. Um, but certainly not enough for them to be thinking about making the investments is what they really need to be doing um every you know most pig producers they they have to make these investments to keep them efficient uh and a pig if you're expanding a pig if, if you want to expand your pig herd it's not as simple as you keep a few more gilts um you have to think about the infrastructure and uh you're putting up extra sheds and you know these could easily be half a million plus just to try and build up your numbers and uh, you need to see plenty of profit there I think to, to allow you to make those decisions Yeah, I, and I think the, the mirror of that across all sectors maybe with the exception of dairy is there's a lot of people just waiting to see where policy is going to go what future subsidy and grant systems will be and what and you know we're, we're very fortunate in Scotland we've got a stable subsidy system that's that's likely to be with us or will be with us till 2025 if not 26 but also that stability is the thing that's maybe um 
as we see, I think in this this summer we'll start to see more announcements and more insight into the future. And I think once we see that, we'll get a more confident. And I, I do hope we we do see more confidence in producers for the long term of their, as I say, the beef sheep pig sector is looking more poultry sector as well looking more promising yeah. for this year but hopefully we'll see government signals market signals that allow us to back the thing for for a longer term period so we can actually invest and push the thing forward i think yeah when, when people are coming in that's quite clear that um you know they ask a question how long is this going to go on for i.e iax and uh, when you say that certainly with 24 and 25 uh, it, it, it gives them a bit of comfort, actually. They know the scheme. Um, they know roughly what they're getting. And, um, yeah, they rely on it. It's a, it's a sad thing at the moment. They really do rely on it. It's funny how, though, the, the end of any subsidy scheme, so we, we obviously run a lot of meetings and have a lot of discussions about what the future, what the next scheme looks like, and it's it always... The, that meeting is always a bit of the end of the world. You know, the old system mm-hmm. going and this yeah. new system is yeah. going to be... And, and the funny thing is that the old system now is the new system that we were all moaning about in 2013 Yes, that's actually backed us and, and kept us going really fairly well. So I'm pretty positive looking into the next scheme that hopefully there's a focus on active farming, supporting production and supporting biodiversity and and climate change targets and also supporting food production and and a the important rural economy story and i I'm, yeah. i do have a lot of faith that that's the system that's coming will deliver on all of that yeah thanks robert yeah yeah we're going to be changing things in a few years time that's obvious um but in the meantime it's uh, steady as she goes really and um yeah we'll speak to you again in a fortnight Cheers, George. I'm joined today on the Rural Roundup by Nathan Critchlow-Watton, Head of Water and Planning at SEPA, Scotland's Environment Protection Agency. Hi, Nathan. Thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you? Fine, thanks. How are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. Where in Scotland are you based, Nathan? Uh, So I'm in Dunning in Perthshire, surrounded by agriculture. And what can you see out of your window right now? At the minute, I can see a field where I think some John's fertilising the top field and uh, various trees and pigeons going at the bird feeders. That sounds sounds like a nice view for a Tuesday afternoon. It's not too bad, a bit overcast, but other than that, it's okay. So we're recording this on Tuesday the 2nd of May. It's worth mentioning that just now because the episode doesn't come out for a week or so. Some of the things we're going to be discussing, Nathan, are pretty time relevant, aren't they? Yes, yeah. Water scarcity uh, can kick in quite suddenly, I think, even though we're anticipating it happening now. uh, It somehow always seems to to catch us up with us sooner or later. So do you think water scarcity is likely to affect us this year? It's always difficult to know just how severe water scarcity impacts are going to be on a year-on-year basis. Uh, I guess what we do know is Scotland's climate's changing and across seasons, businesses, including farming, are experiencing impacts of much more frequent extreme weather weather events, both flooding and water scarcity. Um, In the past, water scarcity was very rare in Scotland. We'd see something like a drought once every 20 years. 
we're projecting this to be happening every other year in the quite near future. And in fact, since 2018, we've had a water scarcity situation in some parts of Scotland every single year. Um, so at the moment, it's hard to know quite what's coming. We know we've already seen water scarcity impacts in the last few years, um, and we're seeing drier than average conditions in western, central and northern Scotland at the moment, which have reached early warning stages. That's pretty scary when you consider you've gone from an event one every 20 years to almost one every year. Is that attributable to climate change and global warming? It's certainly consistent with what we predicted for the impacts of climate change. Climate change in a variety of areas will lead to much more severe weather events. Um, and this sort of water scarcity situation was sort of um, predicted. I think it's happening faster even than we thought in terms of the frequency. Um, and it's, so it's important really for businesses to take action now to try and prepare for it. So in terms of that action, Nathan, what advice would you have for farmers, crofters and growers ahead of this coming summer? So we provide advice for all sorts of businesses uh, in water scarcity situations, particularly for farmers and irrigators. Uh, really, the first thing is to be aware of the potential risk of water scarcity, both this year that it, it may be starting to kick in and also for the future, for the future of their business, because this situation is only going to worsen. So it's important to plan ahead and make sure businesses are sustainable and are preparing for this new reality, really. Um, you can do that partly by looking at our website and we provide regular water scarcity reports through the water scarcity season, which will tell people really what conditions we're predicting uh, and how low soil moisture levels we're getting, for instance. What is the water scarcity season? It's not really possible to accurately predict just how dry things are going to get, uh, because as we all know, the weather's very variable. What we did see was actually relatively decent amount of recharge in the groundwater. So that's the water that goes below the ground and sort of soaks up like a sponge, acts like a huge reservoir across most of Scotland. That was actually in quite a good condition when we came into the early part just after Christmas. Um, then we had quite a dry February, which really started to dry it out and reduce the amount of water available through groundwater. And that's obviously what drives the supply through most of the rest of the year and then we had quite a wet march um, so it's been up and down a little bit at the moment parts of western central and northern scotland though have already reached the early warning stage for water scarcity and if we don't see some sustained continual rain from now on it's very likely that those areas and potentially others will reach more severe water scarcity situations so you mentioned that um, farmers crofters growers land users can check SEPA's website which we will link in our show notes. What kind of other things can industry do to get a get ahead of themselves in case of uh, a water scarcity incident? So I guess there are two different levels. One is taking a longer term view and thinking about what changes might be needed over the next five, 10 years in face of a changing climate. Um, so that might be thinking about crop types that are sown, what requirements for water they have, uh, the soil type you're on and how that might interact with rainfall levels and the ability to hold water. Um, and then looking at things like storage, particularly offline uh, storage and also groundwater availability. Then in the shorter term for this year, it's probably more about making sure irrigation equipment's in good condition, good working order, look at your infrastructure and think out, think about the costs and benefits of abstraction and how valuable water is to your business and do what you can do to minimise water use to reduce water wastage and also to think about working with neighbours to schedule and schedule and stagger abstraction so you're not all taking water out the river at the same point. 
Nathan, can you tell me a little bit more about how people could work with their neighbours to, I think you said, stagger abstractions and think about scheduling? What would that look like in practice? Okay, so obviously what we're keen to do is minimise the impacts on the environment and make sure that there's water for everyone to run their businesses. Um, and if everyone's taking water out the river at the same time, that obviously draws it down and has quite a big impact. And you can see that on the data from some of our gauging stations. You see big points where essentially everyone's sucking it out at the same point, you know, maybe late afternoon or so in some of them or early morning. Uh, I think the more people can do to spread that abstraction. So if you've got four or five farmers all abstracting from the same length of river actually thinking about the times of the day and night they abstract that water from so it spreads it out and you don't get a, a massive point where everyone's taking water out and then there's very little left at that time and is that something where farmers um, and crofters really need to speak to each other to get that information or is that information readily available and in the public I think it's, it's important that in the future, really, that we manage water at a catchment level. And that really will be down to those who are using water to work together with their neighbours and other in the catchment that they know use water to think about how to use it effectively and make sure there's enough to go around for everybody. Have you seen any sort of more innovative ways of working that could improve that efficiency? So yeah, there's some good examples of good practice. And I know the UK Irrigation Association have some information on their website as well about this, but really it's about using more efficient water ways of irrigating really. So rather than spray guns, thinking about where it's appropriate to use trickle irrigation, uh, particularly thinking about the, the crop type and the soil type, um, those sorts of areas really, and, and the soil management generally, it's all quite key for retaining moisture in the soil. So again, we're going to drop a link to SEPA's website, but where else could farmers, growers or other businesses get some more advice or support? So there's some information on SEPA's website, but there's also more irrigation specific information about water efficiency on the Farm Advisory Service, on the NetRegs Hub and Farming and Water Scotland. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us on the Rural Roundup this afternoon. Thank you. And hopefully you'll be able to come back in a few weeks and give us an up-to-date picture on where we are in terms of water scarcity. Yeah, that would be great. I look forward to it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rural Roundup. I have a favour to ask. As the executive producer of Faz Sounds, I would love to get some listener feedback. If you'd be willing to have a chat with me off air or even just send an email and let me know what you think about our podcasts, tell me what you like, what you don't like and what you'd like to hear more of, then please get in touch by calling 0300 323 0161 or email advice at faz.scot where a member of our advice line will put you in touch with me. You can find these contact details in the show notes. Subscribe to this channel to make sure you get notified of new episodes and we'll see you back here on the 24th of May for our next episode. The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.